You're listening to Strictly Business Podcast with Lindsay Williams. It's Wednesday, so it's time for Wayne on Wednesday with Wayne McCurry, who's a portfolio manager at FNB Wealth and Investment in Johannesburg. Wayne, since we've last spoken, a couple of things have happened. The increased volatility when it comes to China tech stocks or associated events yes. linked to the China tech stock crackdown, if you like. Um, and that's obviously knocked on to Tencent and Process and uh, Naspers. So I, I don't think we've really gone into it in, in that greater, greater detail, but we will in a moment. And the other thing is the strength of the rand. It was in the 1420s today. And a week or so ago, mm. it was in the 1490s. And uh, maybe we'll start with the RAND because you've always been one who's sure. got this model that says we think it's overvalued here or we think it's undervalued there. Where do you stand now? Yeah. Now, look, our, 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 our valuation is still consistent with all the caveats that I'll come to. Fair value for the RAND is about 15 RAND 50. Uh, now I come mm. once again all the caveats. First, well, not caveat, first explanation, the RAND spends about, the RAND only spends about 30% of its time within the fair value or at fair value. So the RAND is volatile. And the deviation from fair value is driven almost exclusively by the commodity cycle. So when you get an up cycle, the rand strengthens. As we know, it got down to what was its most strongest? About thirteen rand fifty against the dollar. Yes, it was. It may have gone to thirteen forty-five, but let's call it thirteen fifty recently. Some, yeah. mm. So when it when it deviates on the strong side, it means we've got a strong commodity cycle, and we have still got a strong commodity cycle. So the rand should be on the strong side or below fifteen rand fifty. When it deviates on the other side. It's either a commodity down cycle or it's a political event, but political events don't last long, or as we saw, very short-lived, the COVID event last year. So fair values at 1550, and we think it will go to 1550 over the next two years because our primary, our primary rationale for that is, is that the commodity cycle will turn down over the next two years. Yes. Okay. But so- it's unlikely to go to 19. Mm even with a down cycle in commodities, because the commodity down cycle is going to be significantly less extreme than previous commodity down cycles, because we haven't got this tsunami of new supply coming on stream, which we've had very specifically in the last cycle. So in other words, Kumba iron ore is now, what, 700, 800 rand. It's yeah. not going back to 30. No. Like it did in the last cycle. Famous last words, but of course it's definitely not going back to 25 or 30, as you, as, yeah. as you rightly say. But it could come back to 250 and still be making an awful yeah, lot of money. Easily. Yes, it is. And I mean, if we just talk about that, you know, Kumba got, I think, well, let's just say the iron ore price is $200 a ton. Right. Kumba all-in cost is $55 a ton, and the global mm. all-in cost of iron ore is probably 40 if not lower dollars a ton. So this massive margins they've got in now will not will not be around forever. In other words, we are now showing very, very typical signs of a top of a commodity cycle. And we've had tops every eight or ten or twelve years. You've had you've had a commodity cycle and it'll more than likely turn down. But what I've learned through experience and sometimes bitter experience <laughs> is that you know, the cycle 
itself, the day before prices turn down, good news peaks. In other words, you cannot scratch for one single reason as to why the prices should fall the day before they actually start to fall. How do you approach this then, Wayne? Do you say to yourself, okay, our fair value for the round is 15.50 and uh, the long-term smoothed uh, moving average of the round is is here and yet yet the price deviates often, either overvalued or undervalued. But okay, you're saying 15.50 and uh, in the next couple of years, the commodity cycle will peak. But what do you do at FNB Wealth? What do you do, your clients at FNB Wealth and Investment? Do you say to yourself, let's ease out of these things now or... Wait for the first 10% downside. Slowly. Look, what we've done, two things. We were quite fortunate in that we own the commodity shares. Yes. So we've done quite well out of the upside of the cycle. So we're now starting to reduce. So we've sold a couple of percent here and there. So let's just say if we had 100 rand in commodity shares, we've sold 20 rand so far. And we'll probably continue to sell another, you know, dribble out another 20% over the, before the end of the year type of thing. Right. You know, unless circumstances change. And that will probably be the end of our selling because we're not going to zero. You know, as a, you know, when you own a, when you own a, when you manage a diversified portfolio, you'd never go to zero in commodities because your view could be wrong. And then you get burnt. And of course, you're, you're earning fabulous dividend payers. Well, they're, they're fabulous dividend yes, payers fantastic. at the moment, so you don't want to give up that. Two, an unbelievably good, I mean, Anglo-American, massive increase in the normal dividend, special dividend, and a $2 billion share buyback, which is in effect a dividend, you know, a quasi-dividend as well. Yes. But this is the same company that seven, six, seven years ago almost went bankrupt and passed the dividend. They scrapped the dividend. So it just shows you when the going's good for a commodity share, it's damn good. But when the going's bad, it's terrible. You know, so then the second thing we've done, just to come back to your question, is that we've taken money overseas at these lower exchange rates. Yeah. And when you say that, is that via an investment in an offshore uh, equity index or an offshore, uh, <laughs> offshore counters, or is it, it is literally trading the RAND? No, it's in, it's in, it's into balanced funds. We've got quite a few offshore investment vehicles that are balanced. You know, so it's not pure equity or bonds or property or cash. It's a, it's a, it's, it's a diversified portfolio once again. Okay. Well, that's a, a good answer to that question. A very reasoned one as well. What about Nasperson pro- uh, process? Because I can't find a reasoned yes. answer from anyone about this. Everyone seems to be confused. Everybody seems to be uh, a little bit tetchy when it comes to the volatility factor, which is, it, it, it wasn't yes, just a once terrible. off. It's been three or four times now this no, has it's happened. Been three or four times. Yeah. And in fact, the last, the last three or four times have only been the big ones. This has been happening for a number of years now. Governments interfering in big tech. Mm. Now, I, now, before I come to talk about Tencent, I read the thing yesterday saying that Facebook influences the outlook, influences the outlook and perception of one third of the population on Earth. Well, so just, be, just before just you go on, just give you background to that. When they came out with their results recently, which were extremely good. The stat came out that 3 billion people on Earth 
use a Facebook platform at least once a month. And, th and that is the, the operative phrase here, at least once a month. At Some least. people are on it a hundred times a day. So it all equalizes itself out and smooths itself out. But yes. that is a staggering influencer. Yeah. So in other words, governments are wary. You know, let's just say, and I'm not for a moment saying that this does happen, but let's just say Facebook likes a political party or doesn't like a political party or likes a social campaign or doesn't like a social campaign. Yes. They can influence what people get on their Facebook or on their feeds or their Twitter feed or their Instagram. I mean, I can't even name all of them. We chat, you chat, we all chat. There's so many of these things yeah. that you can actually topple governments. Well, we've seen our social media has toppled governments in the Arab Spring. Right. And so these are incredibly powerful instruments for social change or social activity or social perception, whatever you want to call it. And that fundamentally scares governments, scares them that there is this entity Look what happened when Donald Trump was taken off Twitter. He had no platform. You know, so it fundamentally scares governments worldwide. What happens when there's unrest in the country? They take down the Internet. They take down the social media sites so it can't spread. You know, you can't organize. You can't. So these things are astonishingly powerful. And as I've said many times now, governments are Quite honestly, I think they're terrified of this yeah, because I, of the power that it can wield. Now, we've had mm. Facebook and Twitter and everything. I don't know how many times in front of the U.S. Congress trying to say, listen, we don't do this. We, you know, we pure and we don't, you know, we don't influence what people discuss and we don't prioritize news or prioritize people or prioritize viewpoints. It's all our algorithms are pure, in other words. That's what they, and they've said that many, many times. Now, just recently, China's been at the forefront of this. You had, was it Didi, the, 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 the hailing service? That's right, Didi. And then there was Ant with uh, Alibaba. And now it seems to be Tencent with, um, you know, Edu, 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 whatever, Edutech. And now this very recent one, two days ago, was uh, saying that essentially all of this gaming is almost a cancer in society. Yeah, so some phrase, the exact terminology yeah, the phrase for something um, like that. Um, spiritual opium or something like that. Yes, I that's right. Opium, it's a drug. Yeah, precisely. Yeah, yeah. So, so this is not just the ones that are right in front and four, but this is an ongoing trend and it's not stopping it. Well, the problem is that uh, there are various ways that governments uh, can react to this. I can't imagine uh, Zuckerberg, for example, the Facebook founder, coming out and saying, I'm supporting Joe Biden and then getting all these people to, do, yes, to, to yes. react to that. They're I mean, in a very difficult position there. Hmm, well, incredibly difficult. I mean, and I've, often, I've often used this analogy, and maybe I have with you, and I apologize if I have, very similar set of circumstances was around in America in the 20s and 30s where Edison generated all the power in the country and Bell had all the telephones. They forced them to split it. They said, you are wielding too much power. We are splitting you into the baby Bells and the regional power <coughs> distributors. Now, I'm not saying that's going to happen now. But Netflix is another good example. I mean, Netflix now produces content. 
So they're a distribution platform and a content provider. Now, also in the 20s and 30s, the American film producers in Hollywood, MGM and whichever ones they were, 20th Century Fox, they used to own the cinemas. So they produced and they distributed. And they oh, they only showed their own films in their own cinema distribution network. And they were forced to privatize that and that the cinemas could choose content from any provider. So these are not dissimilar situations in that these companies are big and they, 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 they completely dominate the market that they operate in and governments don't like that. So you see, you'll see, very, I find this quite interesting with Netflix. They are so, so emphatic that when they come into a country, they put local content on their platform. Yes, in order, to, in, in order itself. to mollify the local governments, of course. Yeah. Yes, Yes, and of course, but they have to because otherwise the governments will legislate against them because they're saying, you are such a massive distribution network and now you're only distributing your own content provider. And I mean, I watch a lot of net, Netflix, which I think is quite great. I've mm. only been watching quite recently, actually. What have you watched and recently? Seeing, What's your uh, favourite? I, I like watching these... Uh, surprising enough, I like watching these Swedish sort of crime and mystery murders. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I find them uh, quite chilling, actually, sometimes. Very interesting. Uh, but anyway, sorry, I'm going off at a tangent, as I sometimes do, or we sometimes do. Anyway, go on. They, uh, you know, like detectives. They're not cops and Actually, quite, quite well. So, uh, we watch the Netflix one. You always see right again a Netflix original production. So they're obviously yes. somehow pushing that they've actually produced this content. And yeah. they produced it in various countries to get their local content up. And the same thing's happening in South Africa. Because remember the government had a go at them and said, you've got to do 20, 30, 40%, I forget the number, local content. And they've actually got quite a bit of local content that they've done that they pay for, you know, the, the production costs and everything. And then they distributed on their own network into different countries. And so... So they're extremely wary about government saying you're just too big and you've got to open up your platform. But exactly the same with Amazon and all of these. You know, they've got to open up their distribution platform to everyone. They can't just distribute stuff from that companies from companies that they own type of thing. Well, I, I think that's I think that's right in a way, and it also it, pr it promotes diversity as well, a diversity of programming. It promotes competition, yes. but, but governments don't like the absolute power that they wield. No, they don't. And have a listen to this, Wayne, uh, because this, this, this particular paragraph I'm going to read to you now shows that there is nothing new in this world, only the history we don't know. Standard Oil Company was an American oil-producing, transporting, refining, and marketing company established in 1870 by John D. Rockefeller and Henry Flagler as a corporation in Ohio. It was the largest oil refiner in the world at its height. Its history as one of the world's first and largest multinational corporations ended, what is that, 41 years later, in 1911, when the U.S. Supreme Court, nonetheless, ruled that Standard Oil was an illegal monopoly. So it's gone from oil yeah. to telecommunications to social media, and it will continue to go on, I think. And it's not long yes. before maybe Facebook gets broken up. Governments will continue to react against it. Yeah. yeah. And, and I'm sure they are critically aware of that. So now coming back to Tencent, Chinese government, which we sometimes forget, is a 
communist regime. Dictatorship. They can do what they like. Mm, I know. Yeah, it's a dictatorship. They can do what they like. And obviously, this latest barrage from theirs, I think, started, I forget which which May it was, whether it was Pony or Tony or Ma. I forget which Ma it was, but one of the Ma's stood up in... Jack Ma. I think it was Jack. Yeah. Yeah, he stood up in a public forum and he criticized the banking regulators in particular, but I think he criticized the government mm. in general. That, I think... Communists, communist governments don't like to be criticised. Eh? No, they really don't. Forum. And Jack Ma disappeared for quite and a while. I think that's pushed this. Yeah. But, but now on the other side is they're not going to kill these companies. They need them. They're massive companies. They generate massive incomes and massive jobs. So I think it's just saber rattling and showing who's boss. Yes. And as long as the companies back down, which Jack Ma did, he didn't list Ant, and. Uh, Long as the companies back down and cart out to the to the supreme master, I think this will not blow over because it, it's, this is a trend that's going to stay in place. But I think the sheer shock of these sudden decisions, almost out of the blue, because the last one that pushed the share prices down on Monday wasn't even a regulation; it was just the state news agency talking about this. You know, what's it? Opium. Um, what, was it, what did I say? Spiritual opium, yes. Spiritual opium. It was, just a, it was just an article in the state newspaper. There was no legislation or government minister talking. But people are edgy now. Yes, they are. So how do you approach this? Do you say to yourself, okay, these are great companies and they will be regulated, but they're not going to be allowed to uh, fall too far. So this is an opportunity to buy Tencent, to buy Process, uh, to buy Naspers. Or do you say, uh, this is too much for me and I'll wait and see what happens and uh, reduce my well, holding? Look, how do you approach how this? Much has, I mean, how much is Naspers down on a one? How much is Naspers down from its peak? It's quite significant. I mean, it's, I can't remember the. It must be in a bear market, technically, I think. It must have come see, down. Yeah, now look, I mean, it's, I, I just can't remember the percentage now, but, but it's significant. Yes. But this is a good company. You know, Tencent generates cash flow like it's going out of fashion. And it's got however many billion users or hundreds of millions of users on their various platforms. That's not disappearing overnight because, as you've said now twice, it is opium for the users. They can't live without it. No. You know, so it's not so – I think it's a buying opportunity. And just to come to us – now, whether you'd buy Tencent or not via that extremely opaque ownership structure where you actually virtually own a promissory note, you know, you do your, your – your property, your property rights are, you know, very slim, but it seems to work. But nice pass and process. Now you've got to believe the dream. You've got to believe that they're going to get effectively edutech and food delivery profitable. The other businesses, the 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 commercial, the classifieds business, and their banking systems or payment systems are actually profitable now. So the big bets, if you believe that, if you, if you believe the dream, which I do, that they will make this food delivery thing work and this edutech work, mm. you know, there could be enormous upside. Let's just say if 10 cent price didn't change at all from today, but 
nice bad stroke process, get the other businesses jacked. There's 50% upside to the share prices without 10 cents even moving. That's interesting. So, okay, what we need is uh, 10 cents to do what it does and, um, and, and NASPERS to continue on its uh, yeah. acquisition trail. But it's a question and, of how long it's going to take for them to do it. Is well, it three it, years? Is it five years? Yeah. And it's also a very competitive space. Just on the uh, how much process, for example, has gone down. In euros, uh, process is currently 72.5 euros per share, 72.56 euros per share at its peak in the last six months, which is yeah, six months ago, yeah, nearly six months ago, it was 110, nearly 110. So from 110... Yes, that's 50%, 40% down, yeah. Exactly. So it's in a bear market. I mean, if you're one of those people yeah. that believe that 20, I don't know, what is it, 20 or 25% defines a bear market, I don't know. But anyway, the fact is that it is, it's, big, yeah. it's been in a downtrend since oh, February of, of this year. It's extraordinary. Yes. And what's also extraordinary is that the mining shares stroke banking shares <coughs> in the environment where your two biggest shares by a country mile have fallen significantly, our share market's virtually at record highs again, eh? Yeah. Yeah, it's a, certainly, it's, it's, it's a fragmented JSC, Wayne. Wayne, what's the yeah. situation uh, in the, the restaurant and uh, drinking a glass of wine um, business in, in South Africa? No, they open up now. Are you open, open now? Okay. Anything? So this last Sunday, I went to my regular Sunday haunt. You get there at 12. And I had a lovely, lovely roast uh, beef with all the trimmings, with the Yorkshire pudding and mm. everything. And I could have a glass of wine. What a delightful and civilized way to spend Sunday lunch. And you get there at maybe 12.15 and they say, hello, Mr. McCarry. Yeah, Would you like a usual table? So you're, 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 yeah, a, you're, you're a fixture. Are, not, 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 not even a usual table. You just walk to the table. Okay. It's, it's got the, uh, I think, I think, I think, uh, I think the booking name hmm. is almost engraved on the, Oh, so you have to phone them to say you're not coming rather than the other way we around. We are on the uninvite list, yeah. Mm, okay. We are on the uninvite list. <laughs> so we go to phone when we're not coming. Yeah, precisely. Um, can I ask you one thing? I don't know what your attitude towards seafood is, but uh, what is it your attitude oh, to... Seafood. What about mussels? Love mussels. Okay, oh. well, well, here we go. I live there in... Was a res- yeah. Yeah. I live in yeah. Zeeland, and Zeeland is right in the, in, in the southeast corner of... Uh, sorry, southwest corner of the Netherlands, and it is famed for its mussels. In fact, when you talk about mussels, people say, oh, well, you go to Belgium and you get mould frites or mussels and, and mm. chips, uh, but they all the mussels that Belgium produce, or most of them, uh, come from where I live. And it's mussel season started in mid-July. Well, you are so, so lucky. You are so lucky. No, but Wayne, I went to this place uh, when mussel season first occurred and they'd got their first batch in. And in fact, the restaurant concerned had its own mussel farm. And uh, mm-hmm. they give you a, a huge pot with a delicious broth yes. in it and a pile of, of mussels that I couldn't eat for a very reasonable price. And a, and a, oh, and a, and a so bowl lucky. of thick-cut crispy chips and soft on the inside and about four different mm. types of sauces uh, to dip these these things in yeah, i thought of you as in heaven yeah well maybe i don't know i don't i can't remember now but uh, yeah muscles okay. uh, muscle season no, no, is, is a promise which un- mm. there was a restaurant which unfortunately closed here in santon called thomas maxwell oh yeah and they served curried mussels, and that was the best i've ever eaten in south africa but i was very lucky enough i was overseas in london uh, with a colleague of mine, it was a work trip, 
and he'd lived in London. He's a South African guy, but he'd lived in London, and he knew this, um, and I think it was Belgian, but he knew this Belgian muscle restaurant in London, and all they served were muscles. Yeah. And you either had the plain one or you had the curry muscles. And it came with chips, and it came in that bucket, yeah. you know, like a galvanized bucket. That's it. And they had these long trestle tables. So there wasn't separate tables. There was a trestle, these long trestle tables, and you just went and found two seats at any table, and you sat there, and they brought you these muscles. And the trestle tables were just covered in brown paper. You know, there was no fancy tablecloths. But it was absolutely delicious. Now, I really like muscles. I really do. Okay, that's it. That's my supper sorted out. I'm going to bicycle down to the beach now and get some a big bowl oh, of you, muscles. Oh, you lucky thing. I know. Wayne McCurry is a portfolio manager at FNB Wealth and Investment, and that was Wayne on Wednesday. The views and opinions expressed in these podcasts are those of Lindsay Williams and various contributors and do not reflect the policy, position or opinion of any other agency, organization, employer, or company associated with strictlybusinesspodcast.com. Assumptions made on the analyses are not reflective of the position of any other entity other than the speaker or the author. And since we are critically thinking human beings, these views are always subject to change, revision, and rethinking at any time. Please do not hold us to them in perpetuity.